Hello, my name is Gavin. I'm one of the leaders in Jubilee Church Teesside and I get the pleasure today of introducing to you our brand new sermon series, Joy News, Life on the Frontline. Of our Farsi speaking brothers and sisters, Chabare Hush, Zendegi, Dahate, Mohadam. The main theme of this series is going to be looking at our We Go Jubilee value, which, as the name suggests, is all about going. And let me tell you, I'm really excited about this series because over the next few months as a church, we're going to be looking at what it means to take the joy news of Jesus into our front lines, into our mohadam. And what we mean by front lines is in the places where we spend most of our time. So if you look up the word frontline, mohadam, in a dictionary, you get some very interesting results. So you have the whole military angle to it. It says the point of an army that is closest to the enemy, to the enemy, right where the action happens. You also have the following definition. It says the most important or influential position in a debate or a movement. A place where things happen, a place where decisions are made. Also, when you look it up in a dictionary, you get other words like direct involvement. That's what happens on a front line. It's um, where your actions and what you do makes a real difference to the outcome. To go back to Simon's analogy of a football pitch a few weeks back, the front line is on the pitch, it's not in the stands, it's not even on the bench as a substitute. No, no, your front line is on the pitch, right in the middle of the action where the tackles are flying in. So over the next few months, we're going to unpack um, a lot of little topics about our front lines, including things like work and school and, and friendship and family, hospitality, social media, um, government, justice, little things like that. All about what it means to be people who go into these areas. And I'm excited I get to introduce the series to you today. Um, so if you could turn with me to Colossians uh, chapter 3, starting from verse 12. Let's read our passage for today. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And check out this last verse, 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Brilliant. All right, let me just start by saying, okay, one of the questions which is often asked by my generation, I think we're called millennials, whatever that means, one of the questions which is often asked by us is, what is my purpose? 
It's a question that comes up all of the time. People will look everywhere to try and find this elusive purpose, this elusive reason for being alive. Some people will look for it in Korea. Maybe if I get the right job and make enough money, then I'll find my purpose in that. Others try and find purpose through education. If I get enough qualifications, if I um, appear intelligent enough, then, then I'll have made it, I'll have found my purpose. For others, they find purpose in family or they search for purpose in family. Maybe if I raise children who are good citizens, who leave a good legacy on the world, then I'll have found my purpose. Maybe that's what it's all about. So it's ingrained in us to search for meaning, to search for something that says, yes, this is why I'm on this earth. You know, my daughter Eden now, she's at an age where she's starting to watch Disney films, which as parents you'll all know is amazing because it means we get to relive our childhood. Um, but watching these films is often the same pattern. The main character searching for purpose, searching for a reason for their existence. What is their life all about? It's such a common question and it's an important question as well. I'm not playing the question down. Meaning is important. God created us to live with purpose. So that question is valid. But do you know what the exciting thing is? The exciting thing is that as Christians, we have the perfect answer, don't we? We know what our purpose is. As the Jubilee value suggests, our purpose is to go. As followers of Jesus, we hold the most important message that the world will ever need to know. We have the answer. Jesus calls us to go out and take that answer to the world. It's right there, isn't it? One of the most famous passages in the Bible, Matthew 28, the last instruction Jesus gives before going up to heaven. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Do you see that? Do you see that simple response that he gives? He says, go. He doesn't elaborate and say, okay, right, those of you trained for ministry, you go. Those of you who are great at preaching, you go. Those of you who have got a degree, you know, you go. Those of you who could create um, perfectly constructed arguments, disproving the Big Bang Theory, go, no, 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 none of that. He just says, go. He says, go. And this is huge for us because this means that we're all caught up in it. We all have a part to play in it. We all have different areas to go. We all have our mukharam, our front line, don't we? By giving us this command, Jesus is answering the age-old question asked by our generation. What is your purpose? Well, your purpose is to go and live for me. It's to go and take my news into the world. It's to go knowing that you're accepted and that you're valued in whatever area you work or living. See, as a church we can do it, you know, we can reach out, we can put on alpha courses, we can love our community, we can run social action initiatives, all of those are great things and we'll talk about those in the coming weeks. But if that was all that we were called to do when we're told to go, then we're simply scratching the surface of reaching the news, of reaching the world with the news of Jesus. How much better would it be if each of us was equipped to be a model of Jesus in whatever we do for the majority of our time, whether that's work or university or friendship groups, sports clubs or neighbourhoods? 
If we're all empowered and equipped, we will see God change this nation. I really believe that. See, this is bigger than just church. This is God's people living out their purpose. Do you know, I remember just hitting me big style when I first became a Christian. See, I was always quite quiet and shy. In many ways, I still am, to be fair. In a lot of situations, I'm still very shy. And do you know, I was never the best in school. I was never the best at sports. I was just pretty much average at everything. I was from a poor area. Didn't have many aspirations. Didn't have many role models to look up to. And then I met Jesus. And I realised that suddenly... I do have a purpose. I do have a reason to live. So I go into my sixth form and I start a Christian union and I realised that I had the confidence to speak to people about him. And then I go on and I do a gap year working for church, give up my time to serve God because I finally realised that for the first time in my life I'm called to more than just averageness. I had a wonderful purpose. And it certainly brought freedom and change to me. We have a purpose. But what does it look like to go? How can we be equipped for this calling? Well, the calling to go is played out by us living out our new identity as followers of Jesus. The passage that we looked at earlier from Colossians 3, um, it gives us a taste of how we're to go on living in order to truly impact our front lines. It shows us what Christian living should look like and, and what it should seem like to others as we go on living out our purpose. Let's dig in. How do we go? So this little passage that we read starts with the word, therefore. And as every good Bible teacher will tell you, if we see the word therefore in the Bible, we need to find out what it's there for, all right? And at the start of this letter, which the Apostle Paul writes, he basically talks about having spiritual fullness in Christ. And he talks about having freedom from human rule. So he spends the first couple of chapters of, of, Colossians, of, of Colossians really highlighting and underpinning what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He lays out some real foundations for us. Things like we don't need to worry about human rules and religion. We don't need to be weighed down by the things that we've done wrong in the past. In fact, we shouldn't focus on those things at all. We should set our minds on Jesus. We should take our head out of the day-to-day -day things and look at him. So that's Paul's groundwork. That's what he does. He lays the foundation for us. And then in this part of the passage which we're looking at, he says, with all of that in mind, with this new identity, with this freedom, with this spiritual fullness, this, this is how you should live, all right? And he says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I mean, what a starting point. See, what he's saying is that when we go out into the world as Christians, we're to be marked out by certain characteristics. People should see those things and recognise that we belong to Jesus. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Do you, do you see that? Do you see what Paul's saying? He's saying when it comes to mission, when it comes to going, when it comes to demonstrating your faith in Jesus, all right, it doesn't mean that you become a Christian and you have to learn to preach. 
You have to be able to unpack the Bible. You have to be able to run amazing social action projects. You have to be able to convince people that the Bible is true. No, he doesn't say any of that at all. He says that we need to live differently to the world and be marked out by our characteristics. Do you see that? That's huge. And so that means that whatever you do, wherever you go, you can impact those places without doing anything. But you can impact those places simply by being who Jesus has called you to be. Jubilee, we should never feel pressure when it comes to modelling Jesus in our day-to-day lives. Actually, we should have real freedom in knowing that we've been truly changed by Jesus and our natural reaction to that, to experiencing his love, should lead people to want to know more. It's as simple as that. Look, just a quick side note here as well. Um, what if you don't know what your frontline, your machadam is? What if you don't, you know, I don't have a frontline. You might be sat there thinking, yeah, Gav, this is all well and good, but actually I don't have a job. I'm retired. I don't have my right to remain. I can't work. I'm not allowed to work. I've not got my refugee status. It's a common question. It is. It's a common question. But sometimes people feel like they don't have a front line. But my advice is simple. Open your eyes and look around. God is able to work in a number of different places. Sometimes you just need to see it. All right, let me give you a biblical example. Okay, so like most people, I've been doing the um, Bible in one year plan recently um, and started out with good intentions. We're still in January, so I'm still going strong with it. Um, just to say, by the way, and don't kick me out of the church at you, but I'm not actually doing Nicky Gumbel's plan this year. I'm sorry to say. I'm doing a different one. Anyway, <laughs> um, I've been in the book of Genesis recently, all right, and I've been just reminded of the story of Jacob, you know, where he has a dream at Bethel and he sees God who promises him he's going to bless him. And the thing about the story that struck me is that Jacob is in a bit of wilderness at this point. He isn't in the land that God's called him to. He's travelling to there, he's travelling to a place called Padam Aram, but as he has his dream, he's basically in a generic middle-of-the-nowhere wilderness point. And he stops and he lies down and he meets with God. And he clearly wasn't expected because we see in verse 16 of Genesis 28, he says, surely the Lord was in this place and I wasn't aware of it. Like Jacob was too busy traveling on to the next big thing, continuing on with his story, looking ahead to recognize that God was in the day-to-day place that he was in. God was with him on the journey. And that struck me as I read it last week because I wonder how many of us experience that. How many of us miss God in our day to day, miss opportunities for him to work, miss the opportunities to talk about him because we're too busy looking for the next big thing. We're too distracted or caught up in the busyness or chasing something else so we don't look down and see God. Joe, it is common to feel like you don't have a front line of Mohadam or you don't or you can't be used. Well let me encourage you by telling you about four different people. Alright, this is four different examples. First of all, we've got Chloe. Chloe's a university student. She's um sharing a flat with a few other people and she's been told that God is going to use her massively when she finishes university. 
God's got a calling and a purpose for her in her brand new amazing career when she finishes university. But Chloe can't really see how God could use her right now in a university environment. And then she realizes right in front of her, she's got loads of opportunities for evangelistic conversations with her flatmates. And she can be an example to people during a night out by drinking in moderation. She can be a listening ear to a friend. She can be a positive person to be around. She can think of creative ways to help her friends get to lectures on time. What about Chris? Chris is in her 60s. She's retired early due to severe arthritis and she goes to the local hydrotherapy pool every day for treatment. And she thinks that God can't use her. God can't have a purpose in the front line for her because she doesn't have a job or a significant call in it until one day she realises that God can use her to make friends with the ladies that she sees at the hydrotherapy pool. She spends hours with them every day. God can use her to reach out to those people. What about Ed? Ed's a factory worker who hates his job. He dreams of becoming a worship leader in a church. He dreams of doing something for God. But he realised after praying about it for a long time that maybe this isn't the time or the season for that. So he sets about trying to make a difference in his workplace. He gets in a little bit earlier for his shift. He makes the morning coffee round. He takes time to chat to his colleagues and really get to know them. He becomes a person that others can rely on. He realises that his frontline doesn't have to be his dream job but could start right where he is right now. Oh, one more, we've got Isabel. Isabel's passionate about God, but she's retired and has very few friends outside of the church. And she was chatting to her midweek small group and saying that actually, I don't have a front line. Apart from church activities, all she really does is see a granddaughter once a week for lunch on Sunday after church. And uh, her granddaughter's not a Christian, but every time that she comes around for lunch, they have chats about church and about sermon that day. And then she was sharing this with a home group. That the guys in her, in, in her small group were saying, well, how old is your granddaughter? Isabel said, well, she's 23. She's, she's a student. And suddenly it dawned on the group that there was this Christian lady having these huge biblical conversations every week with someone who's part of the hardest to reach generation for the church today. Someone in their early 20s. And suddenly she realises that she's got a front line. Suddenly, Isabel realises that she's got a front line to be used by God. God was working, even though these people didn't realise it. And let, one of my prayers for you guys during the next few months as we go through this series is that you would grasp that you do, in fact, have a front line. You do. We all do. We just need to see it. We just need to see that, as Jacob saw, God can be working in these places, even if we don't see them. Let's jump back in our passage for a second. What else does it say that we can learn about our front line? Well, verse 14 says, Over all of these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. And this is the biggest one, by the way. This is absolutely huge, because as Christians... Looking at our mochadan, looking at our front line, looking at the people uh, who go, our primary motivation should be love. It should be love, all right? Nothing else. Check out this quote. This is by a guy called Mark Green. He wrote this fabulous book called Fruitfulness on the Front Line, where I got those stories from earlier. He says, I want to propose that as we think about evangelism, the most fundamental change we need to understand is that evangelism is not a methodology or a strategy. Rather, 
It needs to be an outworking of love. That's so good. Reaching out to your friends, modelling Jesus. That should never, that can never, that must never ever be purely down to strategy to make the church bigger or to have big alpha courses or in terms of social action to tick funding boxes. It should never be about all of that. First and foremost, it needs to be about love. End of. It needs to be about love. And you know, this week I visited the Genesis Project in Middlesbrough. We'll hear more about that in the next few weeks when we talk about our frontline gift days and our charity giving. Um, but for those of you who don't know, Genesis Project is a charity in Grove Hill in Middlesbrough. It's run out of the old Anglican church there. And it serves the community through food parcels and uh, a clothing bank and household items and, and all that sort of stuff. Basically, it is right on the front line serving the needy people of Middlesbrough. And do you know what? It, was, it was an impressive setup. They had all sorts of people serving and um, putting food parcels together and sorting clothes out and all that sort of stuff. It was, it was great to see people volunteering and making up parcels and all that sort of stuff. It was all good. But do you know what struck me most of all about the Genesis Project? It was the love. The lady who ran the project, Kath, she clearly and unashamedly loved the community that she serves. The only reason she did it is because she loved and she adored the people of Grove Hill and she wanted to serve them. It was so wonderful to see and that should be exactly what should motivate us to become going people. It has to be love. Jubilee, I can I ask you, do you love those people on your front line? Do you love your co-workers? Do you love your noisy neighbours? Do you love your difficult sister who isn't a Christian? Do you love those people that you come across in the day to day? Is that your motivation to see them saved? Because God can help you love them. God can change your heart. He can give you patience. Maybe that's your takeaway point today. Maybe you just need to love those around you. Maybe as we start this series, that can be the thing that starts to change. Maybe he can give you a heart to, to love those that you come into contact with. Because let me tell you, the key to loving others is knowing that you're loved by God. If you understand that despite all of your flaws, despite all of your sinfulness, that God loved you enough to die in your place, suddenly you realise that the annoyance that you get from that co-worker, from that person, from that family member, that's easy to overlook. Do you know that you're loved? Look, I'm going to finish in a second, but let me just finish by looking at one more um, verse from our passage. Verse 17, this is, uh, this is huge. I'm going to read it from the Message Translation. Let every detail in your lives, words, actions, whatever, be done in the name of Jesus, thanking God the Father every step of the way. If you wanted me to sum up this whole sermon series, to set the scene for the next few months for us as a church, this is it. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks for God the Father through him. In every aspect of our lives, we are Christ's ambassadors, called to have the most amazing purpose, which is bringing his joy news to the world around us. So if you have that mindset, then suddenly every situation becomes a blessing. 
difficult days at work, tough family situations, asylum claims, exams, whatever, all of that can be used by God. Why? Because you are living and doing that situation in the name of the Lord. And let's not forget the last part of that verse either, by the way. In everything that we do, we should give thanks to God. That slight change of mindset can be crucial as well, by the way. If we see every situation as an opportunity to be salt and light in the world, then we have so much to be thankful for. Thankful for the communities that God's placed us in. Thankful for the families that he's given us. Thankful for our own personalities and our own gifting and how they can be used by God. Do everything for Jesus and do it with thankful hearts. We have an incredible calling, yes we do, as a church, we totally do. But we all play our part in that. And I hope this morning's left you feeling encouraged that you've got a purpose. You've got a glorious, life-giving purpose to be a person who goes. Hey, maybe you're listening to this talk this morning and you've never felt that you've got this purpose, this reason to be alive. Let me tell you, giving your life to Jesus, welcoming him in, accepting your purpose is found in him. That's the most important and perfect and valuable decision you will ever make. Hear me out here. He accepts you as you are, faults and all. And he wants you to know that you can be used by him imperfect, broken, flawed maybe, that doesn't matter. He can use you, he wants to use you, he wants to give you purpose. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, if you'd like to know more about following him, can I encourage you to get in touch through through social media, through emails, through the comments on the YouTube video, can I encourage you to get in touch. Join us on this adventure as we explore over the next few months how we can be used by God for a unique purpose. Join us and be part of it. It's God calling you today. Thank you so much for listening.